Peace, party people. Welcome back. I hope y'all all good. Um, I miss y'all. I do miss y'all. But here we are, season six, episode 105 of Where My Killer Tape At. Yep. Uh, I'm going to do a quick, quick review of the 2009 film, The Invention of Lying, because I want to talk about how the police lie, and I want to talk about how um, Jessica Crew and The Invention of Lying. I, I want to talk about that, right? I'm going to do a quick review, spoiler-free, of Terminator Dark Fate, and I'm also going to do a book review of The Black Guy's Drums by P.J. Jelly Clark. Black Lives Still Matter, and I'm going to do a dope tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Word is born. Check it out. Tape at B. What more can I say? Yo, for this episode of 105, where my killer tape at for season six, I'm sipping on Southern Tears Distilling Company's Bourbon Smash. Um, it's a straight bourbon whiskey with natural ginger, mint, and lemon flavors. Yo, that joint hit hard. Two kids and I'm gone. A uh, shout out to the Barrel House um, for hipping me to this. Bird is born. So I want to talk about a movie that was, wasn't it ex entirely great. I liked it. Um, it, it. Actually, I knew that Ricky Gervais was was starting it. I didn't know he directed it. So, I mean, I knew he wrote it. He co-wrote it. I knew that. But anyway, he stars in it alongside Jennifer Garner. Um, Jonah Hill is in it. Louis C.K. and Rob Lowe. It's like, wow. It's like... Let's bring all the rapey motherfuckers in this shit, right? <laughs> yeah. And this came out in 2009, by the way. I know Rob Lowe, um, who, he, you know, back in the day, he got in trouble for for, um, for statutory rape a long time ago. So, man. So, yeah. So, pretty much, anyway, um, let's neither here nor there. We can talk about that some other time. Um, in this story, um, and, and I'm going to say this. I'm just going to say this. I think if he had gotten somebody else to star in it, because uh, although I like Ricky Gervais, I don't think he's funny, funny. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't, I, you know, I like what he says. I like some of the things that he says, um, even though sometimes he can be an asshole. Um, but I don't think he's funny, funny. Um, and I, I, I got to know about him because I'm an atheist. And when I hung out with atheist community, they talked about him a lot. So I learned a lot about him. But anyway, um, he's, a, he's like an open atheist. So um, in this story, it's about a universe where no one lies. Like, everyone tells the truth. And it, it's so, you know, it's so part of the culture that they don't even have, like, fictional movies. Like, there's no sci-fi. There's no fictional books. It's all, um, it's all, like, uh, documentaries. Like, all the blockbusters are documentaries about different time periods in history. Um, so, yeah, it does sound really fucking boring, right? Even though I like, I love documentaries. I'm just saying that the way they did these documentaries, they were very boring. 
Um, and a lot of it is because they didn't add all that dramatic stuff that needed to be put in there. So um, anyway, he that's what he, he works for this. He works for this company. And, um, you know, when people go on dates, they're very honest with each other. They'll let them know right away. I want to procreate with you, et cetera, et cetera. So um, in the movie, there's a scene that I want to talk about because it kind of like when I talk about the invention of lying, I want to talk about our universe, right, where people lie all the time. Um, small lies, little lies, big lies, right? There's a scene where um, he goes to the bank and he's like, hey, I need to take out, uh, you know, $800, right? And the person goes, okay, you know, the teller pulls up his account and the teller goes, hey, you only have $300 in your account. He goes, oh, okay, um, all right. Then he just, for one minute, he pauses and he says, I could have sworn I had $1,300 in my account. And the teller was like, oh, oh, well, you know what? Okay, you know, then you have to, he's like, he's like, then he, he's like, oh, snap, I can go further with this. So he goes, oh, wow, you know what? Um, I actually have $2,000 in my account. And the guy was like, oh, okay, I'll fix it. It was probably an error on our, on our end. And he puts $2,000 in the account. He withdraws $800. Um, and then he realizes that he can lie to people. So he starts lying and like his, his life changes dramatically. He gets the woman of his dreams. You know what I'm saying? He becomes a multi-million dollar uh, movie writer and all that stuff. And so anyway, the reason why I bring that up is because what all this stuff is going on with all these white women coming out and we learn that they're not black, right? There are a lot of people who are running around saying, you know, oh, I never would have got scanned. I never would have got me because she's clearly white. You know, she clearly is a white person. Look at how they talk. They're clearly white. They're not from this area of the Bronx. They're not from here. They're from Kansas, etc. They, they they got y'all because of colorism. And, and while I do think that colorism plays a part when we talk about race and racism and white supremacy, uh, when it comes to who has these kind of jobs and who teaches us these kind of classes, I don't think colorism is the crux of this. I think... Um, what I'm trying to say is that in the movie, people believe him because they say to themselves, why would he lie to me? Right. So what and we have that same default here in our universe. Right. If somebody walks up to you and they say to you, I am 35 years old in your mind, your default is to believe them. You're not going to automatically assume that they're lying. Now, don't get me wrong. If they have a full mane of white hair and a white beard. Right. Um, you're probably going to be like, I don't believe you. But if they don't, you're going to be like, OK, you're 35. Right. I, uh, and we do this all the time. Right. Um, don't get me wrong. There are times when our bullshit meter goes off. But most of the time when somebody says something to us, we automatically believe them. Case in point. If some, if you're walking in, if you're at work and you're walking down the hallway and you see a coworker and you say, hey, how you doing? They're going to say what? I'm OK. And they're going to keep it moving. But they might not be OK. But they just lied to you. I, we're not going to say, oh, um, I know you're lying to me, right? We're going to assume that they're telling us the truth because that is a default, right? So I just want to touch off on there first, and now we're going to go into everything else. Since we're talking about lies, let's talk about how the police lie. And I think this is something that, you know, growing up in the hood, you're used to the police lying. It's just like they just did it all the time. They just like, you know, you would get stopped and they'd be like, yo, you fit a description. That's like they always say that. Like they always be like, you fit the description. And you'd be like, we knew, we always knew that was a lie. But 
every time the police put out a report, and, and, and that's why the Breonna Taylor case is like really crucial, right? Because they seem to go out of their way to continuously lie, and then they try to cover up the lie with another lie, and then make up some stuff, and then get caught, and this is like, and, 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 you know, fuck the mainstream media, because the mainstream media, like, never, you know, like, mainstream media, like, the, the police go to the newspaper, and they be like, hey, this is what's going on, the mainstream, the, the newspaper will actually just publish that, without, without trying to, like, back that up, you know what I'm saying, for everybody else, they'll back, they'll be like, we need a, we need a source, we're not, we, I've been in situations where the, this is why I don't talk to the, to, to newspapers, because, like, they'll come to me and be like, hey, I'll say this, and they'll be like, well, can you verify that, and you're kind of like, Nah, <laughs> like, 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 you know, saying like again, why would I be lying? But, but then a police, they, they can say whatever. They can say, oh, we found twenty thousand grams of cocaine in his back pocket, and they'd be like, well, he wasn't wearing pants. You know, what I'm saying they won't even ask that question. Like, so that, so, so they're actually part of the corporate mainstream media's part because they believe anything the police tell them. So, they, and they do that. The police, we just had, a, you know, we had a situation where a police was like, somebody put a dirty tampon in my coffee, and that was a lie. That, you know, what I'm saying like. Like, and no one questions them on that. No one's like, yo, why y'all always lying? And that's, but, you know, they uphold white supremacy, so they're going to do that. But nobody, nobody talks about how they lie. You know, uh, you know, just consistently, just, it's like a consistent basis they lie. In all these cases where they just, people find out that they lie. And the Breonna Taylor case, they just lying, consistently lying to everybody, the media, the the, the Taylor family, et cetera, et cetera. And, and no one like questions them on it. Why is that? Why do we put so much stake in that? And and, and then like there are studies that come out all the time that, you know, oh, um, they do, they do, you know, fudge their reports. Or every time we turn around, there's detectives, two or three detectives that get found out who've covered thousands of cases that they, you know, forged signatures and planted evidence, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and, and here's the wild part, right? Me being a victim, right? I ultimately have to pay for that through my taxpaying dollars. Like, like, ain't that crazy? Isn't that like wild? And then you wonder why people like abolish the police. So that's that's just wild to me, man. How they can just lie consistently, and 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 then we wonder why when they say we're gonna conduct our own internal investigation on something, we look at them like they fucking crazy, man. All right. So let's talk about Jessica Krug and let's talk about Satchuel Cole. Am I saying that name right? And Satchuel Cole is a, a woman who was acting like a black woman in Indianapolis, Indiana. She was probably the Indy 10 Black Lives Matter chapter. Um, and then um, Jessica Krug was that professor out of George Washington University in D.C. Um, who was out. And she was claiming she was from Bronx River Projects, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and you know what? We're going to see a lot more of it. Um, you know, they're going to Rachel Dolez out a whole shit. But what I'm seeing is that, like, oh, and, and, you know, I do want to discuss colorism. I think I really, really do. And, and, and oh, it's, it's, I'm like, I'm going to have, I have light skin privilege. I have light skin privilege. So oh, I'm just going to come clean with that. But, um, again, and when we talk about race, we talk about white supremacy, we talk about the people, the gatekeepers who, not the gatekeepers, because they're not gatekeepers. Black people are not gatekeepers, by the way. Let me just put that out there. Um, you know, in academia and um, in circles where people do this, right? Um, usually, people, you know, um, that are in those spaces are light skinned. They really are. They're light skinned or biracial, right? When you look at all those people that occupy those spaces, that's who they are. 
Um, and that's because of colorism, right? That is because to white people, lighter skinned people, or biracial people seem to be quote unquote more safe, right? Uh, and it's because of that privilege, right? But, but I don't believe that Jessica Krug, Rachel Dolezal, um, or Satchel Cole was able to do that because of colorism. I think, I think, I think it gave them, I think it gave them an extra layer of protection. And here's, and, and that's why I talked about the invention of lying, right? Because um, I know it's funny because my partner was saying that when somebody says, because I'm from the Bronx, when somebody says they're from the Bronx, I automatically start interrogating them. Boom, 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 right? You know, where you from? What projects? Where you, where you went to school at? Right? I remember being in the Navy and the, the way I used to test people was I used to be like, who's, um, who's Larry Davis? And if they couldn't tell me who Larry Davis was, it wasn't from the city. Right. Because <laughs> a lot of people were from upstate New York and they were claiming the city. Right. <laughs> so that's what I used to do. Right. Um, but um, I, I did that as a young buck. I did that as, a, as a, a young thundercat. You know what I mean? As I got older, I didn't really do that as much. One, because I moved out of the Bronx, but also because in a way it didn't really matter at that point. Right. When you were in your late 30s and your early 40s, it don't really matter. Right. And there's a lot of people who claim, and, and one thing I also learned is that there's a lot of people that claim that they're from different parts. Like other people that came here from, like people that came here from Detroit, and they from Eight Mile. Eight Mile is not in Detroit, by the way, right? So like, um, and they'll claim it because of the proximity. And if you're not from Detroit, I, you know, the reason why I know that Eight Mile is not in Detroit is because my best friend is from Detroit. He was born and raised in Detroit. His whole crew, I know his whole crew, they were born and raised there. So they're the ones that told me that. You know what I mean? So, um, um. I know people from um, what is that the, the the snowy bluffs in Atlanta. I know people from there. So when people claim that they from there, I ask them like, "Yo, is they, my man's from over there?" And they'll tell you. You know what I'm saying? I, I know I got it wrong, but I'm just letting you know that um, if you're not from those areas, you're not gonna know. So if you if you from if you from LA and somebody tells you they're from Brownsville Projects, you're not gonna question them. Just like in the invention of lying, you're gonna assume that they're telling the truth because that's our default. Right. If someone says to you, yo, my, my daddy's black, you know, what I mean, you're not going to question them. That's just you're going to sue because you're thinking to yourself, why are they lying to me? You know, what I mean, so and, and I've been in situations where I met people that I thought were um, like, you know, fully black. And then I meet their folks and with somebody, they, you know, their mom or their dad is white, especially here in Ohio. You know, what I mean, like cause there's a lot of interracial couplings. Right. I, I know people who if you was to see them, that you would think they was white. You know what I mean? And then I've been to their house and their mama was black. I had a student who I thought was German because guess what? She looked like Anne Frank. She looked just like Anne Frank. Her mama black as fuck. You know what I mean? Like from the projects. You know what I mean? Like, and I learned that, you know, through parent-teacher meetings. That's how I learned. I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And it's like real easy to assume. So now don't get me wrong. I never was like, oh, you white or you black. I never said that, but I just assumed like they got to be some German in there. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying that a lot of us think we're going to know, but you really, quite honestly, not going to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really, it's just, we're going to always assume that they're telling the truth. So, a lot of people be saying, oh, if, if they came through the door, I probably would have said something. No, you wouldn't have. Because if everybody ain't questioning it, you're not going to question it. And I'm and shout out to Rod from the Black Out Who Tips podcast, because he talks about this a lot. He talks about a lot of times, if it's somebody you like, you're not even going to question them. But if somebody you don't like, you're going to question them. But I will also say this. Everybody that's coming out saying, oh, I would have figured it out. We're doing that in hindsight. You know what I mean? Like, 
Number one, you wasn't there, so you don't know. But number two, I bet my bottom dollar that most of y'all would have got scammed too. Because a lot of y'all act like y'all ain't never been scammed. I've been scammed. You know what I mean? And let me just say this. Um, sexual code would have got me. You know what I'm saying? Old girl from, um, uh, she's actually Indian and she can't be black. She would have got me. Because I know black people that look just like her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would have assumed. I'm Dominican, so there's people in my family across the rainbow. You know what I mean? So they would have got me. And I'm pretty sure they would have got you too. So let's start faking the funk on that. Because you know what? It's going to get into a discussion of where we're going to start calling people out. Like, oh, you know, da 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 You know, oh, you, where you from? You know, all that stuff. And we don't need to do all that. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. Um, we should question. You know, we should, we should be, we should have a little bit of skepticism in our blood on a lot of things because a lot of people were saying that certain things that Jessica Krug was saying and Sexual Cole was saying was, was, was skept and nobody questioned it because those people liked her. Only the people that didn't like her, they're the ones that said something. You know what I mean? And the reason why Sexual Cole got, came out and, and Jessica Krug is because they got, somebody was about to out them. They were about to get exposed. So that's why they did that. So, um, and no, Jessica Krug, you can't cancel yourself. That's not how it works. So, you know, maybe we need to rethink this and maybe we should, I mean, we should always be talking about colorism, but yo, let's, let's do that. Let's see, you know, we do need to put, not because of stuff like this, it's just in general, we should have more dark skinned folks in ball. You know what I mean? Like they should be holding, you know, leadership positions and positions of power. Definitely. That's without a fucking doubt. You know what I mean? But I don't even think that's going to prevent these things from happening. Or so finally I got a chance to see Terminator Dark Fate um, Which is actually the 6th installment of the Terminator franchise Wow, there are 6 Terminator movies, right? But you don't have to watch uh, 3, 4, and 5 You can skip those You can just watch Terminator 1 and 2 Because this takes place after the events of Terminator 2 So that's I'm trying to do this without spoiling it Because it's kind of difficult to review it without spoiling it. Anyway, um, it's directed by Tim Miller, who did uh, Deadpool. Um, so actually, the action sequences were very, very dope in this. They, they, they didn't go like over, over the top, you know. But uh, what I liked is that the new Terminator, which is is coded Rev Nine, played by Gabriel Luna, who is scary as hell in this. Um, you really can't kill him, so he can pretty much do. He can like. He could like take a plane and crash it into you. Like he can do those kind of things and survive. You know what I'm saying? So like he's pretty much take all the Terminators that you had in all the movies and put them together in one. He is that dude. So um, again, it takes place after the events of Terminator Three. Um, Mackenzie Davis is she's the she's the she's like the protector of the new person, and she's an enhanced human. I know the the previews got you thinking that she's like a Terminator, but she's an enhanced human. Um, and then she's supposed to be checking this young lady named Danny, uh, played by Natalie Ramos. Um, and of course, Linda Hamilton is in it playing her role as Sarah Connor. And yes, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I can't stand, returns, which the only, actually the only role I ever liked him in was in Terminator because he didn't have to talk that much because I can't understand the word he's saying. But he's, he comes back as a Terminator. Um, it's really dope. I enjoyed it. It's, I, I like it because... What they do is, you know, when you change the timeline, you create a new timeline, right? That's the theory that we're working with. So please disregard Avengers Endgame. So everything changes. So it's going to be different. And I get it that a lot of people were not happy with it for several reasons. Um, but they, they did a good job. The pacing was dope. 
Um, and they 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 uh they add on some new things to the story that I think is really amazing. Um, I like the fact that instead of it being a boy who's going to like save us, it's going to be a woman who saves us. So I think that's really dope. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, social justice warrior. It's amazing to me how there could be like, there could be five Terminator movies with men as the heroes and the protagonists. And then you have just one and all of a sudden everybody's becoming a, so, and you know what? I'm a social justice warrior. So kiss my ass. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I enjoyed it. The pacing was dope. The acting was great. Gabriel Luna was a dope villain. Um, the young woman that plays Danny, like she's dope. Like she really like carried it. Like she really stepped into that role, um, and like from beginning to end, you know what I'm saying. So I thought that was like really dope. Linda Hamilton was badass, and um, man, she's just badass. Like she really was. Like she really took on that role. And I want to see older women in those kind of roles because you know how Hollywood is. After 30, they consider women washed. But I enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. I do ask you to like. You know, really ignore what happened in four, you know, three, four, and five, and just keep it one and two, um, and just focus on that. And I think that's cool because it kind of like shortens everything. Um, I think I personally I would have probably shaved off about 15 minutes of the movie. A lot more movies are coming out there are like two hours or, or above, and I think that they're just getting a little bit too long. There's like pieces you could have cut out of it. Um, but what stood out to me the most was there's a scene where they're at an ice facility, um, and you know I'm all about abolishing ice. And they just show like how cruel the officers were, the ICE officers were to the undocumented folks. And also what was scary about Gabriel Luna's character as Rug 9 is that he wasn't like Terminator, right? Terminator just bust a hole in your head and just walk through, right? When he went to go after John Connor, right? And Sarah Connor, right? Um, this individual, um, he used his uniform, man. You know, I'm an ice, you know. He at one point he was like, Yeah, I fought, I fought in the war, I fought in Afghanistan. They was like, oh, okay, you a veteran, and they gave him a pass. And I thought that was that was the the scary part, right? Because they didn't ask for any ID. He was just like, Yo, I'm I'm a uh I work for ICE. And people were just like, Oh, okay, you know, go ahead and you go come on down. And and you know, that thin blue line, I, I think that's something that we should need to discuss. And I thought that was very insidious and scary. So Yo, I give it a, a, a three and a half out of five stars, so definitely check it out. Despite all the madness that's going on, black lives still matter. And there are people out there who are um, still on the streets uh, protesting. Um, having uprisings, um, changing the way we look at policing, right? Like think, like think, like to me, that's probably one of the most important things because um, the pandemic really showed how, um, you know, just how how much of a fit of the police departments are across the country. Really, law enforcement, right? Whether we're talking about ICE, abolish ICE, please. Um, whether we talk about the police, we just have to really figure out a new way of doing these kind of things. And, and I think Black Lives Matter, even though Black Lives Matter encompasses a lot of things, they really put a spotlight on police brutality and police repression in the black community. Um, so I want to highlight everybody that's out there still fighting. Um, and let me just say this. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to co-opt the message of the Black Lives Matter, particularly corporations. And it, it, I think it's what, what do they call it, 1984, double speak, right, where they say one thing but do another. It, it's really wild to see corporations say Black Lives Matter. But then 
um, don't hire black people in their middle and upper management, right? Or don't or support police departments, right? By whether they buy, sell them, you know, give them new products, uh, get contracts with them, or pay the fraternal order police, or all that kind of stuff, contribute money to politicians that support the police and stuff like that. Like, you know, like be careful of that, man. Particularly from corporations. I mean, you really never trust corporations. So. Um, we see that happen a lot. So black lives still matter here. And where my killer tape at, we say all black lives matter, all black lives matter. So whether you gay, your child, trans, you, all of that, all of y'all matter. Women, all of y'all matter. Word is born. Um, I took a couple of weeks, um, um, I, you know, I was supposed to come back in, in four weeks, and here I am seven weeks later. But Chadwick Boseman's passing really had a tremendous impact on me. I didn't think it would it would have that much on me because I really try, like, I'm, you know, man, let me not even be like that, right? And and I'm not going to lie. Um, the first couple of days after his passing, I couldn't talk about him without choking, you know, like just in tears, right? Um, representation matters. I don't think, I don't think that... Um, I can't, that can't be stressed enough. And this is, his passing is probably the, you know what I'm saying? Like the best example of why that matters. Um, and man, like, wow. Like, it's just, the brother was putting in work, man. The brother was putting in work. And I think what I appreciated about him the most, and I, I was hoping that I would meet him one day, is the fact that he understood why the roles that he took were important. And I noticed one one thing I noticed about him when I see all those clips is that in all those situations where he met regular people, he hugged them like really hard. Like he, I noticed that. I noticed that he hugged them. I mean, I knew that before, and I thought he was just being like he was just being like a just regular brother, man. You know what I mean? Because I know when I'm out there, I'm just hugging people. Like I just love hugging people pre-COVID, right? And um, it just it weighs a lot more now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know why he was doing it? And I don't think I don't think. In 2016, he was like, yo, you know, this doesn't look like, doesn't look good. You know what I mean? I don't think he was saying that. I think he was like, you know, I got a chance. I'm going to try to take it and I'll make the most of it. And I really believe that he thought he was going to come out at the end of it better. You know what I'm saying? Um, so he's a jewel. I, I plan on doing a show where, you know, just dedicated to him because I think, I think it's important. And um, I just, you know, to celebrate, you know what I mean? Like just to celebrate because I... Um, I just want to celebrate his life, and I think it needs to be done that way. But shout out to my students who, my Capoeira students who were like, "Hey, we need to dedicate some of our classes to him, and some of our, and we need to do some music tributing to him." So they were really, really adamant about that, and I appreciate that that them for that because they didn't have to do that, you know what I mean? But it just goes to show how much of an impact that he had for us in the Capoeira community. And um, but yeah, just a giant in so many ways. Um. Gosh, like, 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 what, you know, how can we continue to celebrate him um, and, you know, commemorate him and continue his memory? Like, how can we do that? Like, those are the questions that I have. But the, the example that I took from him is that community is important and it has to be tantamount in everything that we do. And I think um, that's the takeaway that I got from this, from, from Chadwick Boseman. That's the example that I got from him. Um, and man, just an amazing individual. Again, um, I know people that knew him, and they're dope too. Like the people that knew him were dope, and it seemed like 
he he kept dope people around him. And what I mean by dope, I'm not saying like they look dope. They just they all had that sense of community as well. And 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 I'm and I'm gonna say this that at 47, um, I can say that I'm around dope people like that. That they're about community and that that's intentional. Um, and that's another example that I took from him. Word, man. Rest in power. Peace. Shout out to my online book club, um, the Ebony Rep online book club. Uh, we read, for the month of September, we read The Black Eyes Drum by P. Jelly Clark. Or is it The Jelly Clark, right? Um, anyway, it is a novella, just to give you a heads up, uh, put together by Tor Books. Um, and it is an alternative history book. It is also speculative fiction and fantasy, sci-fi, all of that put into one. Which, shout out to P. Jelly Clark. Like, that, that is a feat in of itself. Um, in less than 105 pages, he was able to put together a story in an alternative history um, that includes the Orishas, Steampunk, or some people, yeah, Steampunk, some people, some people call it Steampunk because it's black people, right? Um, two women protagonists, a dope story, dope pacing in a novella, like, yo, it was just, it gave us everything one. It was like in a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know what I mean? So my book club enjoyed it. Uh, and it takes place in 1884. In this timeline, and it takes place in New Orleans, in this timeline, slavery is still around. But the Civil War, what happened was uh, New Orleans had an uprising, and then they became independent of the South. And then um, what happened is the North and the South continue to have their Civil War, but there's a there's a truce in um, 18, 18, 1869. There's a truce. So there's no more fighting between the two two countries, right? Because really, the Confederacy is a country of its own. Then you have the Union, so or the United States of America. So it takes place in that backdrop. Um, and the uh, protagonist, Jacqueline, and then her homie, uh, captain from the Free Isles, a Haitian naval captain, um, Anna Marie St. Augustine. She's a captain on a, on, a, on a flying airship. It's really dope. So highly recommend it. It's a short read. It, it, it gives you just enough. Like I said, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's just enough to fill your belly for the next outing. Um, we were all hoping he expanded on it. I loved it. Um, like I said, I, I ran through it. And um, it's a good read. Um, would I recommend it for a book club? No, because this is not a lot to go over. He gives you just enough, like I said, to hold you over. But it's just not enough. Um, but it's really dope because he just puts in so much. And, man, that's just an amazing feat as a writer. That's like a standard. Like, it's really dope. So um, definitely check it out. Um, highly recommend it. And like I said, it's a short read. If you want to introduce somebody to speculative fiction with women protagonists, black women protagonists at that, then the Black Eyes Drum is your thing thing. thing. And see, I wasn't going to spoil it. Shout out to our order. Um, so shout out to the homeboy Malandro. Yo, um, thank you for that just that video you did. You posted of you and Chadwick Boseman playing the beating bow and playing Capoeira. Along with Maurice Crump. Thank you, man. That that means a lot to me, bro. For real, for real. Um, shout out to the homie Cabrado. I know I'm gonna say I'm gonna build with you online. I never do. Um, I'm gonna do it this weekend, man. I got you. Um, shout out of course to the to the brother Linsky. Salute to you, my brother who put together the Cypher Connect Worldwide B-Boy and B-Girl Battle. 
um, a couple weeks ago on Instagram. Yo, shout out to you, man, because that was a Herculean effort, man, that you put together. They had he had people from all over the world, from all literally all the continents except Antarctica. And and I know United States is not a, is not a continent, but the United States and Antarctica. But yeah, everybody else that was battling there, it was, bro. Shout out to you, man, for real, for real, for that, because that's definitely needed, especially now. Um, shout out to the homie D Sense out of Detroit. She got a new album out. It's really dope. Um, I'm gonna post a link on my show notes, but it's it's dope as fuck. I be working out to it. So shout out to you, uh, fellow ne- fellow next level alumni, along with Linsky. And shout out to the homie Sasquatch of the Ugly People, who also put out an album. That's dope as fuck. I'm going to definitely put that in the show notes as well. So, um, and finally, um, shout out to um, my partner of 20 years. Yep, we had we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary on the 15th. That's why I was gone for so long. But shout out to you, man. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to end. Um, you're just such a dope person. You know, honestly, I still can't believe that we're still here. Not that we, we we've had a great, 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 great one. It's a dope, it's a dope, dope partnership. I couldn't ask for a better partner. But it's just like, I'm like, wow, you know, like she's still married to me. So I, I love you. Um, and you just, you just, you know, I don't know, you know, I, what, what more can I say? You know what I mean? Or. Finally, the website is up. I know I've been talking about that for like two years. Um, you can check me out at omisbench, omisbench.com. You can find all my media there, all my writing, everything. You can find my Twitters, everything on there. Um, I even have merchandise. Yeah, I have a coffee mug, um, which is really dope. It's a 15-ounce coffee mug. I love it. I eat ice cream out of it, coffee, all that. I eat coffee. <laughs> um, but you could also um, find me on Twitter. The official um, Twitter for the uh, website is going to be at Omi's Podcast, O-M-I-S Podcast. And then my personal Twitter is, of course, at Dan Trezomi, D-A-N-T-R-E-S-O-M-I. Again, if you need to contact me for bookings or whatever, all the information is found on the website, omisbench.com. I appreciate y'all. Use the hashtag, where my killer tape at, killer spelled K-I-L-L-A, if you want to continue the discussion on Twitter or IG, Instagram. Word is born. Thank y'all very much. I love y'all and I appreciate it. Peace.